Hi, this is Elliot Fishman. Welcome back to part three on volume visualization of cardiac imaging. And let's look at a few more cases. And one of the things I've commented on before is the issues with calcification. We've mentioned how new scanners potentially with dual energy will get around or help get around some of these problems. But even these days with post-processing, we could do well. So for example, this patient with an Agatston score of over 1,300, uh, gee, should I actually do a cardiac CT? But when you do the CT, look at the patient's left anterior descending coronary artery. Look at that significant stenosis that's present. And you can see that very, very nicely on these volume rendered images. Okay, you want to see it better? Well, or get differently? Here's a uh, volume rendered image looking at that vessel again with a thinner slab. And here it is on a off-axis reconstruction. You can see the significant soft black present. We can again look at it in other views. Here is a uh, what might be more considered a curved planar view. Very nice, greater than 70% stenosis, extensive calcified plaque elsewhere, but we made the critical diagnosis. The patient went to catheterization within hours and had a stent placed and is doing fine now. In this talk, I've also spoken mainly about coronary arteries in terms of classic coronary arteries, but visualization plays a role in many other applications, particularly beyond the coronaries, and I'll look at several of them. What if we look at coronary stents? I'm not going to speak in detail as to its accuracy, though it is very high in many papers, but here's examples with volume rendering. You nicely see the stent in the LAD. You see the stent, you see the vessel pre-stent and post-stent, but you really can't judge that vessel patency with volume rendering, and you can't do it with MIP either. What you have to do is do a curved planar reconstruction or off-axis reconstruction through the vessel. If you do that, as in this case, even a stent that's three millimeters is definitely able to be evaluated. There is some issues with different types of stents because of beam hardening, but the newest stents, we can do a very good job looking for in-stent stenosis. And here's an example where the multi-planar, particularly curved planar, is really ideal. Another example beyond the coronary arteries, bypass graft patency. That's a common problem. CT greater than 90% accuracy in non-invasive imaging. Here is very nicely showing you the button uh, sites for the anastomosis to the right and left circulation. You can very nice see them on these images and also see the chambers with this volume rendered view. And then we'll just rotate it a little bit. Again, nicely seeing the individual vessels and then rotated even one more set of images. Again, we're doing this interactively, and I'm only showing you static images, but you can see very nicely that saphenous graph going to the right circulation, as well as a saphenous going in this set of images to the region of the circumflex circulation. Again, very nice visualization. Volume rendering can do this well, and then we'll go to curved planar reconstruction and lay out each vessel, and you can see very nicely the clips from the surgical procedure, but the uh, vessel is indeed patent, and we'll rotate it around that axis, that center line, and you can see it indeed very nicely. On the flip side, here's an example of a patient who had a REMA graft, a right internal mammary artery graft. This patient had aberrant coronary anatomy, had a malignant configuration where the right was arising off the left main, going right between pulmonary artery and aortic root. So the problematic uh, possibilities this patient has been having episodes of syncope. 
but you can see where the remograph should be you don't see the graft all you see are the clips and that's because the graft was not able to stay open because it was a low pressure vessel at this point and so this basically was occluded with lima or remografts typically when they're occluded they're just going to atrophy they're so small and all you see is the target clips now I mentioned with bypass grafts axial imaging and you could use this but again that same concept it's hard to follow vessels in their entirety 3D volume rendering here it is nicely showing this patient's saphenous graft but you see beneath the saphenous graft that is patent there's another little nubbin present and let's look at it here at the arrow that is a failed saphenous graft so in this patient we're able to nicely render the graft that goes to the left circumflex circulation and then nicely show you the graft that would have went to the right circulation uh, and the fact is it is indeed included let's look at this next example this is an incredible case this patient presented with a hyalur mass well what is that mass well this patient years ago had a coronary artery bypass graft and what that mass is, is this aneurysm of the coronary artery, that bypass graft. Look at it in cross-section. You can see the entire graft is so dilated. And we'll show you some nice volume renderings, which those were. And here's some more. Look at that mass literally coming off the heart surface on that uh, surface-type volume rendered image. Or in the other rendered images, you can see that all of the grafts have become aneurysmally dilated. I guess the question is, what do you do in managing this patient? The decision was to basically hold tight because the patient was doing well and you only can get into probably more problems. But look at the difference, the grayscale and color volume rendering, nicely showing you those, literally the entire aneurysmal course of that vessel. Very, very impressive. Another application where we're using uh, imaging is in cardiac redo procedures. And this is, again, a very good application of volume rendering. So, for example, in this case, we're able to look at a patient who has a type A dissection they wanted to repair. This patient previously had bypass surgery. The question is, where were those bypasses? Would it make a difference in the surgical approach? Well, when you look at it from anteriorly, you can see the sternum, the sutures, and you see the buttons of the bypass grafts. You also see the left uh, internal mammary is missing from bypass. And then we'll look a little bit further down and you can see that the section tracks right down to the upper graft and the lower graft, let's follow it, goes right behind the sternum. So you can see in this case there would be a tremendous problem because if you did a classic medial sternotomy you would have all sorts of potential issues. You could obviously hit that vessel. So what we are seeing now it's a very nice application for redo procedures for pre-operative mapping. Works very nicely. Of course, you can look at that same image. We can look at it in 4D. You can see the pulsations of the graft of the heart very nicely shown. And on the uh, sagittal projection in 3D, we very nicely can define the graft and how closely it comes or opposes the posterior portion of the sternum. Another part of cardiac imaging that you've appreciated in the last two examples really is motion or 4D imaging. And that's something I think that will play a major role in the future. So 4D imaging, typically we've used it for looking at the valves. We're looking at it now more frequently than ever for function. We've written articles on this. Derek Nye developed this program for doing 4D imaging, which really gives us a very good look at the morphologic and functional potential 
of CT for evaluating the cardiac cycles. And I'll just share with you a few examples. Here's one example, uh, normal aortic valve closed and valve open. And we'll look at that just changing the transfer function to accentuate the valve appearance there and here. But the real strength is looking at it in motion. And you can see the heart beating, the valve opening and closing, normal valve, it's nice and thin. And you can compare it to this case where look at the heart motion here. Look at the valve. It's a bicuspid valve, extensive calcifications. Remember, bicuspid valves more likely to get calcification, lead to aortic stenosis, which is the most common uh, pathology of the valve in adults. With a bicuspid valve, it happens about 20 years earlier than in a tricuspid valve. And you can see it very nicely. Or in this example, extensive calcification in the valve, and again, the lack of valve opening and closing nicely shown on this four-dimensional display. So CT is no longer in three dimensions. We've reached the fourth dimension. Another example, look at this patient uh, who's had a, a um, St. Jude's graft, St. Jude's valve replacement, valve closed, valve open. But one would have to say it's particularly impressive when looking at this 4D display, nicely showing you the left ventricular motion as well as the valve opening and closing. Another example, valve opening and closing. I'll show you three images. Look at the size of the left ventricle. You can see the poor cardiac function. The valve is functioning. Here's the valve from above, looking at it. Again, opening and closing. Very nicely shown on this 4D map. And we can pull everything out with volume rendering and look simply at the patient's valve. Now, 4D imaging really with volume rendering is ideal. MIP works in some cases okay, but volume rendering is the way to go. You can use the multiplanar data, but the 4D data is most impressive. A couple of other examples just to show you some pathology. Here's an IV drug abuser with uh, vegetations on the valve. Very nicely shown, and this patient was very lucky because they also had a tumor uh, within the heart and this was a benign tumor. So again, hopefully what I'm showing you is the importance of rendering in 3D and rendering in 4D. Now there's some other applications I want to discuss with you, but in the interest of time, let me stop here and we'll come back and wrap this lecture up. Thank you very much.